It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 Part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. Our game preview, the Giants getting ready to host the Atlanta Falcons at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Eli Manning's jersey also getting put into the rafters, getting retired as Eli enters the Giants ring of honor. The Giants Huddle Podcast can be found on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms. So a jam-packed show today. We are going to hear from Giants head coach Joe Judge. Bob Papa will join him. You're going to have my interview with Giants quarterback Daniel Jones and then Paul Dottino and Lance Meadow talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And just a reminder, very quickly, go back to the previous episode on the Giants Huddle podcast feed, Bob Papa's one-on-one exclusive interview with Eli Manning talking about being inducted into the Giants' ring of honor. All right, busy show. Let's get on with it. We will lead off with my interview with the Giants' starting quarterback, Daniel Jones. Daniel, thanks for being with us, man. Great. Thanks for having me. Why do you think the offense was as efficient as it was last week against Washington? Obviously not the result you wanted, but in terms of moving the ball, first downs, I thought the offense was pretty good. Where do you think you guys are clicking well right now? Uh, I think it's in you know each each group. I think we're... Uh, you know we're protecting well up up front. We're we're uh, you know those guys are doing a great job opening up some holes and and, and starting the run game. And then uh, you know receivers are making plays. So um, that's what it's about: being able to attack from uh, you know different different angles, being able to you know run and, and throw. And, and uh, you know we'll continue to build on it. But I think you know each group is is uh, you know has been playing well. We've got to be more consistent and, and execute down the stretch. But. Uh, some things to build on. How about your play specifically? Where do you think you did particularly well in week two? Um, I think uh, you know trying to trying to make decisions and get the ball out of my hands. I think that's um, you know a big part of it is uh, you know uh, seeing seeing where the ball is supposed to go and making that decision, getting it out quickly to let guys make plays. So that um, obviously that, that uh, receivers getting open on time is, is a big part of that, and, and, and they did a great job. And, and like I said, we did a good job protecting as well. You know, some of these analytics sites, Pro Football Focus, they track average time to throw, right? And you've been a steady trajectory from your first year to now. You've gone down more than a tenth of a second each year, right? How much of that is being in the offense for the second straight year so you know where to go quicker? Is it thought process for you going faster? Why do you think you've been able to get the ball out as fast as you have this year? Um, I th- yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, it's all those things. I think it's, it's practicing, seeing it more times, being able to watch the film, look back at it and say, Hey, I can do this here. I can see this a little bit quicker. Or if he does this, you know, I'm going to, you know, throw it here. Or, uh, I think it's, it's all those things, but, but just, just practicing it, um, every day, making sure it's a, a focus of ours, um, you know, as an offense. And, and like I said, there's, there's a lot of elements to that. I think, uh, receivers understanding that getting open, um, and then in the line doing a good job up front. So that's, uh, you know, it's all, uh, it's all, you know, comes together. There. This is your second year with Sterling and Darius. Obviously you have a good rapport with them. Where are you with Kenny right now? You missed a lot of practice time in the spring and the summer because of, you know, COVID and then the fact that he was hurt for a little while. Are you guys completely in sync now? Or is that something that is a continual process as you go through practice each week? Yeah, I think, you know, we've got a good – uh, a good rhythm and, and a good feel for each other. Um, <clears throat> I think with with anyone and, and uh, you know as an offense, we'll look to improve every week and, and continue to build and continue to grow. Um, you know, learning from one another and and, and uh, continuing to to move forward and, and uh, you know get better. So you know we'll do that. 
uh, as a group, and, and you know, I certainly looked to, to do that with with Kenny and with uh, with all those guys. You know, you talked about getting the ball out quick, and I think pocket presence is part of that, right? And that's something you worked on a lot in the offseason with your movement in the pocket and then throwing a pass. How do you think you're doing in terms of reading that rush, getting the ball out quick, knowing when it's coming, when you have more time, when you don't, moving in the pocket? How have you seen progression in your game over the first two weeks watching the tape? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's hard to simulate. Um, I think you can work on, on footwork and work on... Uh, you know, timing and, and how you want to move, moving efficiently, but kind of feeling a rush and, and being in the pocket during a game, I think that's kind of a different scenario. So, um, you know, I feel 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 good. I think, um, you know, like, like we've talked about and, and kind of coming back to it is, is getting the ball out on time and making sure you're, uh, you know where to go and, and, and you're making those decisions. So, um, you know, I think, you know, moving in the pocket's largely a feel and playing the game and understanding, um, you know, how to get the ball out. And a lot of that's kind of natural, just feel an instinct in the pocket. What has it been like working with Billy Price at center? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. He's done a good job. And, um, you know, he, he comes to work every day, ready to go. He's a smart guy. He's picked things up, uh, you know, very quickly. And, and uh, you know, I've enjoyed playing with him. What's the thing that you have to work on the most? Is it the physical exchange? Or is it helping working together to call out the protections where is it the most challenging to develop that comfort level quickly between a quarterback and a center um I think it's both I think um the physical part of it you know I think that's just a matter of reps and and making sure you're staying on it and and uh you know you 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 kind of build that chemistry and then uh like you said communication is huge too so making sure uh you know studying the game plan together knowing what we're going to look for uh, from a defense, different looks they could give us and how we're going to identify them and, and, uh, and get everyone on the same page uh, moving forward and, and doing that quickly. So uh, just rehearsing that, uh, that process, getting on the same page, um, and understanding how we're going to communicate with each other is, is certainly a big part of it. It's amazing when you think about it. You know, your last eight or ten games last year, you pretty much had the same starting offensive line, right, from left to right. Andrew Thomas is the only one that's still in there in the same spot now this year. What has it been like working behind this new group? Now, obviously, you know, Ben Bredesen's in there, and, you know, we talked about Billy. He's in there, too. What has it been like working with them, and, and how have they done giving you the protection you need in order to make the plays that you have to? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I think those guys have, um, you know, have played well and, and um, you know, come come to work every day. I think they've, um, you know, they're they're understand exactly what they're – trying to do. I think you see the process throughout the week as we're all kind of learning a game plan, learning, um, you know, different looks, what the defense doing. And, and, um, you know, you see something once, you see it again, and you get a little bit quicker with that communication. And I think this group uh, does that very well from day to day and and understanding the game plan, understanding the defense and how we want to communicate it, how we want to block it, how we want to get on the same page. So, um, you know, I think those guys have done a great job. I know you're being you're tired of being asked about turnovers, so I'm going to ask you in a different way. You've only thrown one interception in your last eight games. That's pretty darn good. And that interception, by the way, was on a batted pass that hit a receiver in the hands. What do you think you've done better, and what have you worked on to try to cut down on your interceptions the way you have in your last half a season of play? Um, yeah, I don't. I think it's just decision making, understanding. Um, where to go with the ball, what the defense is doing, seeing, seeing your keys and, 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 uh, you know, make it, making good decisions. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a big part of this game is protecting the ball. Um, and, uh, certainly a uh, big responsibility of the quarterback to, to do that when the ball's in his hand. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's just, just seeing the defense, understanding what they're doing, and getting the ball out on time. I remember we talked to David Cutcliffe when you were first drafted, and he said one of the things with Daniel that we had to do sometimes was try to pull him back a little bit because he tried to do too much with the ball in his hands. And I know that's something that Joe Judge talked a little about last week or a couple weeks ago, trying to slide when you see him in contact, just protecting yourself, protecting the football. For someone that's a competitor like you are, is that a difficult thing to do knowing when it's smart to you know pull back and say, maybe the extra yard or two isn't worth it here to take that extra hit or risk putting the ball into danger? Uh, yeah, that's something, um, you know, I can definitely do better at times and, 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 uh, you know, something, you know, I've learned from and, and will continue to, to work on. So, um, part of playing the game and, and, uh, you know, you, you want to, you know, you want that extra yard sometimes you think sure. you can, you can do something and, and maybe get away, but, um, you know, understanding when it's appropriate to get down and, and protect the ball, protect, uh, myself, I think, is, is certainly something I'm, I'm focused on. Let's talk about the defense you're facing this week. Falcons watched the tape the first two games. A lot of cover two, a lot of two safeties deep, but they're moving those safeties pre-snap to try to you know, confuse you what you're trying to do. What are the things you see from that defense in their coverage that's going to pose you guys some difficulties here in week three? Yeah, I think you said it. I think they're, they're, uh, they're good with their disguises, showing one thing and rolling to something else and, and – uh, you know, it's a it's a lot of uh, a lot of that, a lot of different pressures coming from uh, places you know you don't you don't typically see, depending on you know how those safeties are playing. So we'll, we'll be we'll be good with that, keyed into to what they're doing and um, and ready to go. So you know we're we're focused on on what we're doing and focused on on executing our game plan and and uh, certainly confident in that. One thing they do up front, they run some stunts, but a lot of cornerback blitzes, a lot of guys coming off the slot, delayed linebackers from the second level coming in. What is it about their blitz packages that you have to be aware of and, and your offensive line have to be ready for on Sunday? I think it's just seeing it. Yeah, like like you said, and, and they'll disguise it, um, trying to show you, you know, some guy, you know, can't come and then they'll spin it one way and he does in fact come so he's you know we gotta uh see that see it post snap um and and be ready for it and it's you know stuff we've we've worked on all week finally Eli Manning at halftime will be going into the ring of honor one story I like to tell is it was the day after or it might have been the evening of the day that they announced that you were going to start in week three that year and I walk into the cafeteria and he's there eating dinner with you trying to help you get ready for the game the, the next week right can you just talk about how he handled that, because I think that reflects on him as a person, right, and just what he is as a teammate, and how that made that transition for you easier, taking the reins over from somebody that was the quarterback here for, for so long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, that week and, and, you know, that day, getting ready for that game, um, you know, it, it does says does say a lot, and I, I don't think anyone that knows him would be surprised at just, you know, the – the uh, you know type of guy he is, uh, the class, and and how he carried himself. You know the teammate he he uh, he was, and you know I was fortunate enough enough to be with him for that that one year. But obviously he had uh, done that his whole career, and and uh, you know a legend of of the game, and a legend certainly of this franchise. So um, you know I feel uh, you know very fortunate I was able to see that and 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 be around him, and uh, it was a tremendous help for me as a young guy trying to learn. Uh, playing quarterback in the NFL, playing quarterback in New York, uh, you know, for this franchise. So, um, you know, lucky, lucky for me, and and uh, you know, look forward to uh, look forward to seeing him, and and uh, certainly uh, a well-deserved honor coming. Do you have a favorite memory? Funny, serious, football-related, non-football-related, anything from Eli that you know what? Boy, that's that's Eli, and something that you'll never forget from being that teammate with him for that year. 
Uh, I don't. I mean, I think there there's several things. He he's a prankster and, and a guy who makes a lot of jokes. I remember uh, early on, I might have been in training camp. He was uh, asking me if I had my wisdom teeth removed uh, or something like that, and I thought it was kind of funny because I don't have wisdom teeth, so that was kind of cool. And you know, so he said, you know, let me see your wisdom teeth and. I opened my mouth. He's got a big ball of grass. You know, he's in your mouth, and you're swallowing dirt for the next, for the rest of practice. So I don't just little things like that. He he's a funny guy, a great teammate, and and uh, like I said, lucky to to be with him for that year. Well, we look forward to seeing it, Daniel. Thanks so much. Best luck against the Falcons. All right, thank you. That's Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root for your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888 NYG1925. Or if you want single-game tickets, go to Giants.com slash single-game tickets. All right, now let's get on to our preview of the Falcons. We go in-depth and behind the scenes with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Paul Dottino and Lance Meadows speak with him. A pair of 0-2 teams square off Sunday at MetLife Stadium as the Giants host the Falcons in Week 3. To get more into the Giants' opponent this week, we're now joined by D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. D-Led, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope everything is well on your end. How are things? Everything's going good, Lance and Paul. Great to be on the show. Great to be back in stadiums with fans and looking forward to a uh, a great game this Sunday in New York. Absolutely. Well, let's start on the defensive side of the ball because I think that's probably the most interesting facet for the Falcons right now through two weeks. D-Led, I would argue the numbers are a bit misleading because Matt Ryan threw a pair of pick sixes against the Bucks this past Sunday. But with that being said, they're still allowing 33 points per game. What's been the biggest issue on the defensive side of the ball through the first two games of the season? On the pass defense, you know, they were worst in the league last year and, uh, you know, needed to revamp that unit back there and the inability to get a pass rush. You know, Jalen Hurts was able to pass it on him. Tom Brady hit six balls of 20 yards or more on him. And, yeah, it's just been a real tough struggle getting to the quarterback and then playing some tight coverage for for the uh, Falcons. Well, given that problem right now, how do you think they'll try to compensate if A.J. Terrell is indeed unable to play He's a pretty good corner from what we saw last year, but, but now their depth chart is apparently very weak. Yeah, no question about it. They got T.J. Green, a 2016 second-round pick by the Colts, 6'3", 215, big corner. He used to play safety, so he was lining up with the ones yesterday. So, you know, he hasn't started in the league since 2017, so somebody on the coaching staff has a vision that this guy can play, and he's uh, they moved him to corner this uh, offseason, and, and he's the next the so-called next man up. And, you know, with Galladay and the Giants receivers, you know, Shepard, Galladay, Slayton, uh, it looks like a long day for him. You brought up Jalen Hurts in the Eagles' passing game from week one. d interestingly, Hurts and Daniel Jones are two of the top three quarterbacks in rushing yards this season. Atlanta faced Hurts in week one. He ran for 62 yards. The reason I'm bringing that up is, Daniel Jones did a lot of damage on the ground against Washington. How much do you think the experience of the Falcons going up against Hurts better prepares them for the threat that Jones could potentially pose this Sunday? Oh, yeah, they they already said that that's a big factor this week. The fact that they 
let Jalen get loose. Uh, you know, the Kincaid man on the backside didn't stay home. And, you know, that's just assignment football. Everybody's got to do their job and not over-pursue on these RPOs. Uh, you know, maybe you don't you don't get to get to the running back. Your job is to stay at home and control that edge. If you don't do that, you know, Dane Jones can go 70, 80 yards on you. So they know that. But I don't know the personnel that's going, you know, is capable of, of following the, the instructions and doing it. So we'll see. It'll be a big test to see if they corrected that on Sunday. Couple of other Giants offensive weapons I'd like to ask you about. How much attention do you think the Falcons are paying to the possibility that tight end Evan Ingram may be back in the lineup? I saw Gronk caught a couple of touchdown passes against them last weekend. And then also, how much respect do you think they're paying to Saquon Barkley, who has ramped up through the first two games? but hasn't really gotten the oil going on those games yet. Yeah, yeah, they have a great deal of respect for both of those Giants. You know, all the guys from uh, Atlanta, they all, you know, the Falcons know all the Atlanta guys. I guess they all work out in some form or fashion when they're around town. So they know Evan and, you know, uh, Slayton too. So Isaiah Oliver was talking about both of them in glowing terms yesterday, the nickelback, former outside cornerback. And, of course, Barkley, they're all aware of him. Eric Harris is saying, hey, we got Rap him up. We got to stay in front of him. Uh, he's going to run through arm tackles. So, you know, they were giving him the proper respect he deserves, even though he's coming back from injury. Uh, they were giving him the Jim Brown respect when we were talking to him yesterday. <laughs> we're talking with D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Again, he has said for a matchup in Week 3 between the Giants and the Falcons. d I want to switch gears to the offensive side of the ball. And obviously, they still have Matt Ryan running things, but probably... The most interesting development over the first two games, I would say, is the usage of Cordero Patterson, who seems to be doing a little bit of everything for the Falcons. He's being used as a running back, a receiver. He had two touchdowns against the Bucks. How much has his versatility proved to be ultimately the true X factor on offense this season? Yeah, he's uh, been explosive, aggressive in his runs. And, you know, I just asked him, I was like, hey, how much more can they put on your plate? I mean, can you take over the lead back row? Or, you know, they're going to keep splitting it with Mike Davis because he looks good coming out of the backfield. You know, the, I guess the bump on him was he couldn't catch because he's got straight ahead speed. So he, he could run out of the eye formation, run the uh, outside zone stuff, and uh, he can catch out of the backfield. So he had a nice one-handed catch against uh, the Bucks. So they need more Cordell Patterson. They need less of uh, you know the other people who aren't making plays. So we'll see if they start pushing more his way and putting more on his plate as we move forward. Dylan, that's intriguing to me because I always looked at Mike Davis as a power back who breaks a lot of tackles. I, I think to some degree he's underrated at how he can punish defenses. But to this point, he hasn't really had much of a share of the load. And I understand that the offensive line isn't great, but how, how much a part of that surprises you as well? Yeah, um, I thought he'd do better. It surprised me because I, I, I watched him growing up here. He's another Atlanta kid and followed him in South Carolina. And, yeah, he hit the hole like his brother did. James Davis played at Clemson and briefly in the NFL. So he's not confident in the line. You can see him trying to tiptoe around the corner here, not hitting that corner real hard on the outside zones. He's trying to cut everything back. So, uh, you know, they got to get more confidence in that line or, or, you know, get some more people in there that could block different people. But I think his, his, his uh, situation is uh, affected by the blocking up front. 
Speaking of blocking and playing the trenches, clearly all the talk of the town this offseason surrounded the Falcons taking tight end Kyle Pitts, who is coming off a pretty nice game, by far much more productive in Week 2 than Week 1. What have you seen D-Led out of Kyle Pitts, and how much more comfortable does he seem to be getting with what they're asking him to do within the scheme? Because it seems like they're moving him around a lot as he now enters the third week of the season. Yeah, no question about it. They're moving him around. They're putting a lot on his plate. You know, it's a tough position. You know, inline blocking's an issue. Can he do that? How much of that are you going to ask him to do? But I think he's up to 69% of the plays. So he's a problem on the field. We saw him make a big catch on third and seven. Ball was behind him. He caught it at about seven yards and took it upfield for 24. Uh, We've seen him make another 27-yard gain in the exhibition season so as they get more comfortable with each other you know because they didn't play in the exhibition season Ryan and Pitts didn't play together so I mean there's no timing or no uh, rhythm to what they're doing right now and you know as they play more games that'll get better and he looks to be the real deal at the tight end position. Can we talk for a second about the bigger scope of this passing game I noticed that Pitts's 24-yard catch is the longest play from scrimmage the Falcons had during the first two weeks. Now, I think Matt Ryan still has a lot of bullets left in his arm. I've always admired and respected him as a passer. Is this because of the fact that the line isn't giving him much time and they've had to throw short? Or is it because defenses have just given him the short pass and he has settled? No, I think it's the, um, you know, it's the line. It's the issue there. They got a they got three holes on the line. The right tackle can't block athletic guys. The uh, center's a first-year starter. He's getting pushed back. And then they had a rookie left guard in there because the veteran got hurt. The rookie had a really bad game against the Eagles. Settled down some against the Bucks, But, you know, four times when they needed, you know, a fourth and one or third and one, they couldn't get any push. They got stopped on a quarterback sneak. So uh, the line is, you know, they're trying to protect Ryan. He's been sacked over 40 times the last three years. And they're just trying to work with this line and, and develop these guys. And I hope they get better at pass protection and run blocking. d on a related note to the passing game and in terms of how they've been attacking opposing defenses, Russell Gage, as we're talking right now, is a question mark this week because of an ankle injury. He had a breakout campaign last year. If he can't go, how exactly does that change the dynamics of the personnel they're utilizing to complement the likes of Cam Ridley and Kyle Pitts this week? Your next guy will be Alameda Zacchaeus. Spot, he's played in spot duty. He's been the fourth receiver for the last couple years. But he's got some big game speed. He's, he's had some long gainers when, when he's in the game. So he's going to try to pick up the uh, slack for, for uh, Gage if Gage can't go with the ankle. And he's a speedy guy. And But, you know, he's a deep, speedy guy, so and they haven't been able to get the time to throw deep, so I don't know how much you a factor he's going to be because they haven't been able to get Gage the ball either. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a struggle, uh, and as it's a work in progress for the Falcons on offense. Final thought about that passing game. When Calvin Ridley came out of school, he was universally recognized as the best route runner in that class. People just marveled at how he was able to do damage in a secondary. How is that translated, in your opinion, to the Falcons? Oh, yeah, and I, yeah, I saw him at his pro day in Alabama, and I was like, he reminded me of Marvin Harrison, uh, you know, and his numbers tracked that over the first three years. So that was, a, you know, I thought, hey, you know, nobody's going to be able to stick with this guy 
especially with Julio on the other side, he's going to have single coverage. He's going to be running D-backs in circles. And, you know, that kind of played out. Now he's the main guy. He was pretty much the main guy last year and got 1,300 yards and didn't get a Pro Bowl. But, you know, when you lose you know, four and 12, that happens. So, yeah, he's a big part of it. But, you know, the routes he's run and where he's most effective is on the deeper stuff. And until his line can hold up to, you know, for three seconds, uh, it's going to be a problem getting him the ball on a regular basis. d before we let you go, it's not often that we talk about the punter entering a game, but I think it's only appropriate given some of the early season struggles. So Cameron Nizalek, they had brought in to start this season. He's still on the roster, but they just added a veteran punter on the practice squad. What do you think their approach is going to be this Sunday, and how much of a wild card is that facet of the team right now? Yeah, Cam Nislick, he played at Columbia and Georgia, and, you know, he's had Shay Shank punts in, uh, you know, both of these games. The first one who had one, he had two against the Bucks. Dustin Colquitt is here. My understanding is that, you know, they're, they're doing that. They're going to give the kid a second chance. It's a young team. They don't want to be the ruthless staff. And so he's going to kick in New York, I believe. And then if that doesn't work out, then, you can, you know, they got Colquitt already here. And, you know, then they can move on to the old guy. They want to keep the young guy. They're trying to save him, save his psyche, and uh, let him get an opportunity here. But, you know, that's how they did it with Jalen Mayfield last week. The, uh, you know, after the shaky opening debut, they said they brought in some linemen. But, you know, that was just to get a kid pressured or tighten it up, and he did. And so they cut the lineman. And they're doing the same thing here with the punter. He's going to get a shot on Sunday, and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll make the best of it or he'll probably be a former NFL punter. Young guys got to play, as they say. He is D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. d Led, greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday for this Week 3 game between the Giants and the Falcons. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Lance and Paul. Take care and have a great day, and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. You as well. That's the Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Don't forget to take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giant suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. And don't forget the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Now let's jump over to the head coach of the New York football giants. Bob Papa speaks to head coach Joe Judge. Coach, back at home in front of the faithful. It's a big day today with Eli Manning's number being retired, but I know your team's focus is on the task at hand, the Atlanta Falcons. Talk about the challenges that this Falcons team poses for you guys today, especially with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Yeah, I think when you talk about this team, obviously, you know, it starts with the head coach, Arthur, and he does a great job on the offense of really going ahead and utilizing his weapons. And that filters down to the explosive guys they have, you know, on the field right there. So start with Matt Ryan. Obviously, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for about the past decade or so. And this guy's been very accomplished. He's very smart, very intelligent. You're not going to fool him with anything. He's really seen it all you got to find a way to pressure this guy and kind of get him off the spot a little bit and force him some bad decisions, which doesn't happen very much. You know, on the back end, you've got to really be conscious of their weapons. That's really going down the field. It's the young guy, Pitts. And then out of the backfield, you got to be alert for Patterson. So he's a running back by, you know, position. He's really a utility player. He can play receiver. He can play runner. He's just a big explosive player. So however they're used, and this guy gets the ball in his hands, he's dangerous every time. Yeah, you had Patterson in New England um, when you were the special teams coordinator there. Can you talk about his physicality? 
I'll tell you what, the thing people don't realize about CP is how big he is. I mean, he's a big man. He's big and he's powerful. And if you let him build his speed and tackle him in space, that's really where his explosive plays come from because you realize when you get on the field that he builds some speed, gets up on you fast, and he runs through arm tackles. And a lot of DBs don't want to come up and tackle him. The thing with CP is you got to get him before he gets going. And that's in the you know, defense. you got to set the edge. you got to build the wall, make sure he has to gather up as a running back. And in kickoff return, you got to make sure you can't run by blocks late and down open seams because once he gets going vertical, that's where he's made all of his huge plays in history. When you look at Atlanta last week, um, you know, they're 0-2, but they got the game within three points uh, with 11 minutes to go in the game. Their punter shanks a punt, and then Brady does what Brady does, and he makes them pay for it. And then a couple pick sixes kind of lopsided the score. It's a team that, despite their record, has been very competitive, haven't they? Yeah, I don't think this record is indicative at all of what this team is, and they're really improving week to week. You can see from week one to week two, they made a lot of big gains. Uh, obviously, mistakes really cost them in the Tampa Bay game, but they're an explosive team. They've played a lot better. This defense plays for 60 minutes, and they really get after you. I think you watched the tape from last week. There were times where Tampa had a lead late in the game. They still were able to get in there, get strip sacks, get after the quarterback, put pressure on Tampa Bay's offense. You know, and offensively, they're very capable at any point of having explosive plays. So even when you look at, you know, the scoreboard last year, last week in the Tampa Bay game, they're only a couple plays out when the two scores down. Let's talk about your team. Um, obviously, you're not where you want to be as a football team, but there are a lot of things that were encouraging in that game against Washington. Now that you've had a chance to look back at it, what are some of the things that you're hoping to build upon that you did last week? Well, the things we have to keep doing consistently is the offensive line protection has been something we can build on. I mean, given Daniel time, he's been doing a very good job of getting the ball out on time. Receivers have been on time and getting open, protecting their leverage and catching the ball. And those are things right there we have to get going. The run game made improvements from week one to week two for us, and that's something we have to keep on building on as a team and keep being productive with the ball on the ground. Defensively, we've got to keep being consistent with how we play the ball in the deep part of the field. And that's something right there that, you know, you can talk about all the time, but that's something we got to make sure we just keep the ball in front we keep on tackling well. I think as a team overall, our tackling has been good. Uh, we're far from where we want to be as a finished product, but we got to make sure that we keep eliminating explosive plays and make teams go the entire length of the field. In the kicking game, I was encouraged with our coverage units the last couple of weeks, and they've been doing a good job. We have to set that field position and play complementary football to keep the field position defensively, get the ball back in the kicking game, produce some field position, offense capitalize on it. So we've got to make sure we put all three phases of the game together and play complementary. Coach, we'll go back to the running game. Obviously, you're not getting the production that you would like, but, you know, with Saquon coming back from an injury and being, you know, almost a full year removed from when he first got hurt, do you sense that he's starting to see things a little bit better or starting to get a little bit more confident in what he's seeing in front of him? Because there were times last week where you guys blocked it well, wasn't necessarily run, you know, the best that it could be or vice versa. Sometimes, you know, there was nothing there. But are you seeing encouraging things? Yeah, I'm really pleased in the way he's working and the way he's progressing. I think this guy missed a lot of football, obviously, and it's just natural when you come back to get in the flow of football shape, conditioning, football movement. But Saquon's really done a good job for us on that right there. And I'll tell you what, you know, you've got to be conscious of having him on the field as a defense. There's a lot of things last week you talked about. They were overplaying some of Saquon's runs. They opened up a lot of Daniel's runs on the edge. So they complement each other right there. So run the ball for 160-plus yards in a game. That's something strong we want to build on. We don't really care how we get the yards, whether that's from a running back, whether that's from a receiver on, you know, ends around, whatever it may be, or if that's from the quarterback on a pole read. So whatever they give us, we're going to go ahead and take and be productive with it. I'm pleased in the gains we made with that offensively. You know, obviously we want to go ahead and get the running backs, you know, getting the ball and keep feeding them. But whatever defense presents to us, we'll have to make sure we take advantage of it. Final question, Coach. Um, Sterling Shepard's off to a fast start. Right now he's tied for the lead in the NFL with 16 catches. But more importantly – 
Uh, he's tied for the NFL lead in catches on third downs. He's got seven of those and conversions for you. Um, can you just talk about the leadership that he has brought to this football team? Well, look, Shep's definitely a vocal guy. He's definitely a high-energy guy. He's definitely a guy that comes out and competes every day. But I think you know, beyond that, the real leadership he truly brings is this guy comes to work every day. And, you know, the way he works and sets the tone, he really pushes everyone to go ahead and match his intensity. You know, you can't go against him in defense and go half speed because he's going to make you look bad. So he not only improves our offense, obviously, with how he works and presents his opportunities, he improves our defense as well of going against him every day and making them play faster. Finally today, Eli Manning's number gets retired at halftime. Uh, you competed against him a couple times when you were on the other side, like that wild game here at MetLife Stadium in 2015 where – Brady leads the charge late. Um, what are your thoughts on Eli Manning and and sort of your remembrances of him? Not that he's dead or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'd say first off, I think it's uh, it's obviously a special day for the organization to have a great player like this be recognized. And it's also a little bit of a unique day to have so many guys that were in a locker room with them still be on the sideline to be able to see that. So I think it's something that's special for both parties, you know, him obviously getting his number retired, and also the guys that are his teammates to be able to reflect and see that. To me, it always comes down to you know what his accomplishments were. I mean, that's all stuff you read on a stat sheet. To me, with a guy like that, what it really comes down to is how he prepared every day and put the team first in all of his decisions. And that's really where all the production came from. So it wasn't about, to me, at the end of the day, looking back on the championships and the stats and the wins. That, that's all part of it. But it's what he did that people didn't see. What he did in the building, the hours he put in, the commitment he had, the number of teammates he impacted in their career. Those are things we want to impress on our team in terms of, you know, the traits we're trying to build with and build the culture, maintain the culture. You know, in terms of, you know, Eli as a player, I don't think there's anyone who's been in the National Football League for the last, I mean, two decades, you know, who doesn't have a world of respect for Eli, for his family and a whole, for how he played, how he prepared, how he competed, and the results he had on the field. And then being within the organization now and knowing more about him as a person, you obviously knew he was a top quality person, you know, being outside building, but knowing more the inside stories about him gives you much more insight into just how much impact he had as a leader over a duration of just years and how much he impacted you know this team the players he played with uh, the coaches that were able to be around him and learn from him because you learn a lot from the players as a coach and I think he's definitely the kind of guy you want to be around as a coach coach best of luck thank you that's Giants head coach Joe Judge. A great preview as we get ready for the Giants and Falcons, both teams trying to find their first win of the season. One more reminder, the Giants Little Podcast can be found at Giants.com slash podcast. On the Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platforms. Again, the last two episodes previous to this one on this feed, Bob Papa's one-on-one with Eli Manning. Make sure you check it out. And, of course, we have the most recent All-In NYG podcast presented by PNC Private Bank, which is celebrates the 10th anniversary of the Giants Super Bowl 46 championship this week it was the Giants wide receivers for everyone that joined the show we thank them I am John Schmelk we'll see you next time on the Giants huddle enjoy the game on Sunday everybody